Hi, everyone. This is Catching Up with the Nerds with your hosts, Tom and JC, and our special guest, David. Uh, this is a podcast about two dads that are catching up on all the nerdy stuff we miss, sharing how we pass on our nerdy passions to our kids, and deep diving into nerd pop culture to make it more accessible for you. Welcome back, listeners. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good day, mate. All good. All good. All good. Yeah. Shall we do our intros? Uh, David, do you want to kick us off? I can do. Um, my name is David Sago. Uh, I mostly podcast these days. Um, I like to do the production side of things, editing, um, work with ideas and things like that. Um, I am a nerd, self-confessed. I'm out of the closet. Um, I'm into Marvel uh, comics and the comic book universe. Um, I'm big into computer games. Um, originally a Nintendo guy up until the PlayStation 4 when I crossed over. Um, and I, I think that is all. I think that's all. I dabble in a little bit of anime. Just a li- just enough. Just enough. Nice. Ooh, nice. All right, my turn. Uh, <laughs> my name is Tom. Um, I am 50% of the Catching Up with the Nerd podcast. I'm also 33%, no, wait, 25% of the Grid and Grind bas- basketball podcast. So that gives me what? 75% podcaster, 100% French. Um, <laughs> what do I like? Um, video games. I love my PlayStation 5, which is currently being abused by my son. Um, <laughs> he's also uh, playing on the Switch these days. It's quite interesting. Um, I love movies. I love Marvel comics. I love DC comics. I love Batman. Uh, and I love everything that is nerdy. How that has to do with technology. Uh, and in my spare time, I've been messing with old consoles and trying to refurbish them and make them work again because they deserve love, guys, just like human beings. And tomorrow is uh, Valentine's Day. So if you want to spend sexy time with your other half or with consoles, I'm open to both IDs. Um, that's it. That's enough talking. I think you just set up a, like a shop where you sell Valentines in the shape of like game consoles that you can oh, send to people. Cute! Wow! <laughs> wow! Cut that from the recording. Come get to work, and I want ten percent. Why? Because I was here. Damn it! Fine. I think that that shop has to have that and the whole like uh, the GameCube controller idea that I tossed out a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I, I, I still stand by that. David, I think you should take the, you know, the GameCube controller. Mm-hmm. I find that thing infinitely sad. No, GameCube. Yeah. No, Nintendo 64 controller. That's mm-hmm. it. I find that thing so satisfying. I think that should be like a, a fidget. You just like literally unplug it and mm-hmm. sell it to people for kids just to like fidget with it all day long. I think it's, Fine, you get 10% that's, too. Fine. That is our retirement. <laughs> Any fidget toy that doesn't make noise is fine by me as a teacher. <laughs> yes. Um, so I am uh, Juan Carlos Garay. I am 50% of the podcast, 100% Latino, and uh, I don't know, like 87.7% nerd, I'll say. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I, I have a lovely wife named Fiorella. I have two kids, uh, oldest one named Aiden and youngest one named Arabelle. And I love me my graphic novels and comics. I'll read anything that is, funny enough, not Marvel or DC related until recently. And now I've been reading up on my Marvel and DC. I've always been kind of like independent or like other publisher type comics. Uh, and uh, I do love me some nerdy TV, nerdy series. And I dabble in video games slightly and definitely like big into anime. 
So oh. that's that's like we have now assembled people. This is now a three-legged Voltron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and let's cut and re- rewind that no, one. As no, well. no, 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 no. That stays in. That stays in. <laughs> I shouldn't be the only one who suffers. I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll, they'll knock you down to about 44% nerd after that one. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and next week, 12. <laughs> My nerd card will be handed in shortly. Uh, so, uh, this... so, why are we here, JC? Why are we here today? Yeah, why are we talking about this month? Uh, we are talking about Black History, people. More specifically, it's Black History Month. It's February. And we decided, why not look at the intersection of Black history and nerd culture? Where do those two come together? How has it worked? How has it not worked? Um, and what are some of our recommendations for this month? So if you're going to go check out some media this month, whether it be you're picking up a graphic novel, whether you're checking out a show, whether you're playing a video game, uh, we just want to drop some knowledge on you to say, hey, think about this when you're doing it, because there can be some other properties out there you're not familiar with that you might want to go to check out for Black History Month. Right, so part of the um, Black History Month, as we were saying, um, we just all came out with a bunch of recommendations um, for anything that is related to Black history. And we thought we would share, as JC said or mentioned before, that um, we would come up with a list of things we really enjoyed and things that you guys, well, we also think you guys would enjoy. So what don't we start with you, JC? And I think you're going to start with something you really love, Spawn. Yeah. So uh, for anyone that doesn't know what Spawn is, and there is probably a decent amount of people because this is actually a fairly old uh, comic slash series slash movie that came out in the 90s. Um, Spawn is the story of a um, CIA assassin, basically. And his name is Al Simmons. And he's hired by the government to basically kill people. And he does it willingly. Uh, he's basically paid to hire, like got a, got a hired to, to kill a certain person. Um, and, uh, but one day he gets double-crossed by the government. And he ends up uh, getting killed. Uh, he also finds out that his whole family was killed. And uh, he, he basically goes to hell, for lack of a better word. And he's explained that it's because... Even though he was generally a decent human being, he very willingly killed people, which makes him a not very decent human being. And this gets explained to him when he gets to hell. And he makes a deal with, a, as usual, as you do, he makes a deal with a demon. Uh, not the devil himself, but like an actual demon. Uh, I believe the demon is called Malboja or something like that. Um, and uh, he makes that deal, comes back uh, to Earth, uh, but comes back with superpowers. And the most baller outfit you've ever seen dude like his superhero outfit is amazing it's like they take like the it's like if you married like batman's cape with dr strange cape where the cape kind of is somewhat sentient but it's just drawn in the coolest possible way and he has these like chains that come out from his back that are also like kind of somewhat sentient. They like know where to go and like attack people. Um so it's just characters that is amazing. But the, the, the really interesting thing about it is like they decided as, as kind of the lead from his comics, like he was a black man, comes back and his face is kind of hidden, but you find out that yes, he is still a black man that has come back reincarnated. And more importantly, he doesn't know why he's back. 
which is a really interesting part. And he certainly starts to figure out why he's back. But the trick about it was the demon wanted to make sure that he was his agent on Earth. He wanted him to act on behalf of the demon and just like basically wreak chaos on Earth. And he refuses to do that. But at the same time, he's not entirely a good guy. So it feels like somewhat of an anti-hero story. And the, I think the best thing you can connect it to nowadays is Venom. Uh, and that Venom's not really a good guy, but he's kind of played, like he's the protagonist of his story regardless. Um, and basically that's how it plays out. And he goes off and obviously has adventures and stuff like that. Like things happen and he's on this quest to basically kill. And, and it, it plays a little bit Kill Bill style. He's basically taken out all the agents that killed his wife and himself um, until eventually one day he gets to, to the big bad, right? And that's kind of writing for. Uh, there's other like side stories that, that go off of it and stuff like that, but uh, I won't go into those too much. But the interesting thing is that this is why to me, the comic is super fascinating. Two things. One, for anybody who doesn't know the story of Image Comics, it is really, really interesting how it shook up the comics industry in the 90s. So Image Comics was founded by Todd, Todd McFarlane and like, I believe another two creators. And it's the equivalent of if you were to take like Jeff Johns, Tom King, and Al Ewing out from DC and Marvel right now, which are some of their hottest comic writers. And they said, you know what? We're going to take our characters with us and just go and start our own label. That's basically what Image did because Todd, Todd McFarlane had been drawing Spider-Man and had been the most successful Spider-Man uh, artist at that time. Um, and he basically took all this IP with him that he had, uh, uh, not Spider-Man, obviously, uh, and, and with two other creators as well. And then they started their own label. And their whole thing is this label will be for the artist. This is not to, as a publisher that doesn't uh, basically recognize the artist because the, the artists of these, like the writers, the, the, the illustrators have basically been screwed by Marvel and DC for years and years, barely making any money off the IP. They're like, no, no, we want to reward it. Anybody wants to come work with us, you're going to get much more money than DC and, and, and Marvel. And it took off. And Image Comics is still around to this day. But the interesting thing is like the first comic they launched once they created uh, Image was Spawn. And it sold 1.7 million copies of the first comic, which to put into perspective, like the, the highest selling uh, comic that Marvel had when uh, Star Wars came back to Marvel, sold about a million copies. Like it just sold like crazy. You, you just don't get these numbers in nowadays because the market is just so saturated, right? Um, so, and it became a really good, great selling comic. Uh, they went on to like get people like Neil Gaiman to write on it. Alan Moore had a run on it. Uh, even Frank Miller had a run on it. Um, and the comic had went on to basically create a, a um, uh, 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 a cartoon series so it's like somewhat anime inspired in terms of the illustration but it's basically an animated series that ran on HBO uh, in the late 90s and even a movie came of it uh, start that was officially actually is the first uh, superhero movie that has a black lead uh, when it came out because it came out before Blade it came out before um, uh, we get like Hancock and, uh, and the movie came out in like early 2000s uh, so yeah the, that's fun guys Ooh, I would debate that. Yeah, yeah I would for it. debate that. Yes. Um, there's a film that I watched in what must have been the mid '90s uh, when it made its way to to our TV screens, and that's the Meteor Man, uh, who gets his powers from a, a meteor that lands in the hood. Wait, this is the Robert Townsend <laughs> movie? Yes. Oh shit! I totally forgot about that. You're right. Mm, yeah. Um, really, I watched three, the- so four years before. 
I watched that movie unironically. <laughs> As a kid, I did too. <laughs> exactly. And I was so fascinated with it when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. good pull. Yeah. But but Spawn is very important. Um, very, very important. Dude, we got um, shouts out to Robert Townsend. I have not thought of that movie in so long. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want I just want to go back to the movie Spawn as well. Because that, that I'm quite interested. So I don't think I've actually watched a film that's what was it, 97 when it came out? Yeah. Um I think I'll try and try and go find if I can see it, you know, if, if I can get it somewhere. I don't know if it's on Netflix or anything. Um, I get my hands on it at some point. But uh, was that a complete bomb as well? Didn't, didn't it do awfully bad? Was in what? Because it's it's one of it's part of that weird period of um, the you know comics to film or comics to movies um, era, right? It was like where x-men was also in there when he was like oh god this looks it looks cheap it looks bad and and, and the acting is terrible uh, is is that what happened to spawn also spawn at the time was uh, uh sorry x-men was a step up from a movie yeah like sure spawn. <laughs> yeah spawn spawn wasn't rated very well at all no um and i think it was more because it was caught in that like you say the, those early days when it was difficult to sort of portray um a lot of the visuals that were so well <laughs> drawn in comics, um, bringing those to life always felt weird. Um, like I, I felt that way about um, the Penguin in Batman Returns, for example, like yeah. the whole fact that they made him an actual penguin. It's like, well, that's not what the character is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but bringing those demons to life in Spawn as well, it felt, it looked uh, kind of cheap almost and it gives it this sort of uh, uh i don't it's know like killer clowns isn't it like yeah. I think i've seen a trailer and it reminded me of that movie is a killer clowns in space or something like, from space so there's this weird 80s oh, yeah. 90s film like uh, Dude, do you remember that don't mess with killer clowns in space that was <laughs> yeah. my formative years that movie shaped who i am Dude, no, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying that in terms of the visuals right yeah, and and whenever it, uh, films look like that, it's so you almost can't take them seriously, right? It, mm. it automatically gives them sort of like a whimsical um, feel, whereas the story of Spawn is actually really dark and uh, can be quite powerful if it's portrayed yeah. correctly. Um, it, it it got stuck in the uncanny valley. That yeah, that's that's what happened that, to that movie. That awkward. It, yeah. It, it, it wasn't trying to parody so it couldn't get away with it. It was trying to be serious, but the technology wasn't there. And it just wasn't, it, and it wasn't directed in a way that it would allow for that. Because I think we talked about in a previous episode about like how Blade 2 definitely is caught in the uncanny valley where like the, the fight scene in the end, look, they look rubbery and weird. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the thematically, the movie is so interesting and, yeah. and the coolness factor is so there because the direction is there that it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah. because you get the, also the practical special effects that counteract the weird, like uncanny valley stuff. But with, with spawn, they just went all in and this like technology that wasn't there yet. And, and unfortunately it wasn't well-directed. So yeah, that's why this, the, the, the cartoon series, the animated series did way better. And I would recommend to most people that, that that's a great, much yeah. better place to start. Uh, well, that's a good. That's a good idea. Maybe I mean there's still going to be a, a follow-up movie or a reboot of Spawn um, with. Well, I don't think it's confirmed, but Jamie Foxx is sort of attached to the project. Well, um, J- Jamie Foxx is trying to make it happen. So oh, it's trying to make it happen. Okay. 
Yep. Todd McFarland, ever since the first one came out, he's immediately wanted to redo it because uh, mm-hmm. he was never happy with the first movie. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Foxx kind of said, like, look, if you do it, I'm, I'm all in. He, he, he said he's wanting to produce, star in it, like the whole thing. And it's caught in one of those development loops that I'm not sure why they're not making it happen. It, it, it would, you would think that off the back of Black Panther, like they would just immediately green light it. And they've, yeah. they're still back and forth on it. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, yeah, because the, 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 the um, sort of the, the, the vibe around, you know, black led movies and super, black superhero led movies that that's sort of, got flipped onto its head now well largely due to black panther right so you think that now this would be a lot easier to get you know to get to get the go ahead but it's, it's just i guess it takes time also with the pandemic to uh get stuff um agreed upon you know and then yeah. get relighted so i guess you know especially uh, big names i think i think i've seen what was the other name um there's attached to a project um uh jeremy renner also is also Yes, in there, so it's it could be um, could be what we need. Let's get more Marvel yeah. guys involved in that. Uh, because in the in the spawn, uh, both in the comics and in the in the uh, animated series, there's basically a set of detectives that Spawn works with. They're kind of like his Jim Gordon uh, type mm-hmm. thing, and uh, he works with those detectives. Those detectives, they were so well written, they got eventually their own series that spun off mm-hmm. of it. Um, and uh, so Renner's on to play one of those detectives, oh, which yeah. I'm like, I'm I'm still Luke Warner and Renner. I don't know. I, I, I... <laughs> depends, depends. Yeah, he, he's got. I think he's got a type like um, Hawkeye is is definitely good for him. But yeah, there's there's a bunch of uh, I don't know. I, I can't see him cast in anything else than um... if he was getting one dimensional. Like yeah. he only plays the same character over and over again. It's like I don't, like Brendan Fraser. It's like he's always the same character. Let's be honest. Um, Brendan Fraser. Uh, yeah. Oh, who's Brendan Fraser? No, he's Brendan Fraser, and oh, yeah. he's playing himself. All of his friends, yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, I'm myself acting as myself. You know. No, cool. but, but sorry, I got, I got, I got to rewind back to like it's just yeah. I'm so caught up in your meteor man comment, <laughs> <laughs> and and the first thing I thought of was as soon as you said meteor man, have you guys ever seen Leonard Part Six? No. No. Okay. So, most bonkers premise ever. It's a spy spoof starring Bill Cosby. And mm-hmm. you have to go watch it just for the sake of it's, it just, in the same way to, we're talking about how like, you have to lean into the ridiculousness for it to work. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like the naked gun with a black protagonist. Right. And they, they lean into the ridiculousness so much, but one of like the scenes of the movie, you have to go back and watch it. They're stuck in a roof and if they can't jump off the roof and they're being attacked by lobsters okay (laughs) (laughs) the way they get out of it is like all of a sudden he pulls out butter from from his pocket and starts to go melted butter melted butter and the lobsters start freaking out because he thinks he's going to cook them dude the level of ridiculousness it has (laughs) is like it has to be seen to like really it's, figure out like how much it does not take itself seriously. It's so bad, it's good. It's so it, it is so levels bad that it makes yeah. it good. I would I mean, highly it, recommend going back and watching it. It's a, it's, it's a two, spy films. It's a it two point two. It's a two point two out of ten on IMDb, and it's a nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. So, and and <laughs> Bill Cosby issues aside, because that's because <laughs> that's the thing, and we must acknowledge. Um, 
it, it is what it's just to see, you see what the industry was giving to the intersection of yeah. like black, black artists and mm. nerd culture. Mm. And you're like, really? This is where we started. So that's why, once again, pulling it back to Spawn, it felt important that this character was a lead and that it sold a lot. It was a box office success and a critical success outside of the movie. The movies and what they kind of really tanked, but the, the animated series, highly recommended still. Like it, um, I'm actually going to do a rewatch this month. Uh, as as we try, um, also aiming for kids to pick stuff up. Um, would, how violent is it? Because again, I've not I've, I'm not well versed in the world of Spawn, but I can see the gra- the, the, the the graphic style um, sort of hinting at violence. The animated series is a is a is a R. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I, I, it is not. It is definitely squarely in teen territory. Like it needs to be like. Right. 16, 17, I'd say to, to pick it up. Uh, same with the comic. It tends to be pretty violent. If, if violence is your is your bar, uh, it, mm. it definitely, like, it, it does not hold back. There's a lot of, like, people getting disemboweled with chains that are flying around, but in the coolest stylistic way possible. It's just, <laughs> I, I can't say how cool this comic is. I absolutely love it. Okay, that's that's. Um, I, I'll add it to my list of stuff you keep recommend, recommending to me, JC. Oh, and, oh, and actually, for you, Tom, specifically, I would lead with uh, there is a mashup of Todd McFarlane and Frank Miller coming together to do a, a Spawn comic, which is Spawn and Batman, and it's baller. Oh, wow. It's as good as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That's wow. definitely on my list as well. Yeah. Cool, that was a good first recommendation. Now let's move on to dive uh, with what? Black Panther, I guess. Let's do this. Yes. So um, I'm covering films and television. Um, I wanted to start with the Black Panther film, but um, also start by talking a bit about the Black Panther character because um, like Spawn, uh, he was actually first written by white writers right white creators white writers um back in the 60s i believe yeah i think it was in the 60s um and he was created because um wow completely forgotten his name <laughs> it's uh, happening he, to... he, uh huey p newton uh barker uh martin luther king no um marvel man oh stan marvel. Lee. Stanley. Ah, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Stanley. <laughs> Stanley and Jack Kirby. Stanley and Jack Kirby. That's it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, created because Stanley uh, wanted to have a black lead comic book character. Um, he, I think, uh, I actually think Monica Rambeau might have already been introduced into the Marvel Universe, but they wanted a lead um, for a comic. Um, and as we know, we rarely ever get black female leads in in anything in of this nature. Um, so they came up with this character, um, called him the Black Panther. Uh, he's an African king um, who leads the city of Wakanda, sorry, the country of Wakanda. Um, and he is sort of pitched almost like a Batman-like character in that he uses gadgets and things like that to his advantage. Um, He's also rich like Bruce Wayne, but he doesn't have a secret identity, right? Everyone in the city of Wakanda knows exactly who he is. Part of being the king um, comes with the responsibility of also being the Black Panther. 
Um, I find it interesting that they went with that name in the 60s because uh, it's very, it was very provocative um, with the Black Panther organization um, who was fighting against um, lack of equality for, um, for Black people and lack of civil rights for Black people in America at the time. Um, but they, they sort of tone it down by relating it back to the animal. Um, but they made sure that A, he was very powerful in his environment. Uh, he's a king, he's a leader, um, he's rich. And the in terms of intelligence and technology and things like that, um, Wakanda uh, is the most advanced nation on the earth, right? But they've just hidden in plain sight and cut out the, the rest of the world from getting to um, their inventions and things like that and to permeating their society. Um, very interesting character, uh, but like Spawn, originally made by um, white people. So it was really important that when they decided they were going to make the Black Panther movie um, as part of, what, is, what was it, phase three phase of three, the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe, yeah. um, they brought on uh, a Black director, predominantly Black cast, um, and... Uh, in Ryan Coogler um, and his production company. Um, and they ended up making the 11th highest grossing film of all time. I think it was seven or eight when it launched at the time and a few things have overtaken it. Um, but it, it was a huge deal. Even in the buildup, I think um, people started to realize that this film was going to break records because not only did it engage the enormous Marvel audience at that time. Um, having gone through phases one and two, we knew that Marvel movies sold and they were some of the biggest films of all time. Um, then you added the fact that it had a black lead and you knew that that would bring in a whole new audience. Um, and I just think it, it was a really important film. Uh, it, it's an obvious recommendation. Like. I'm pretty much preaching to the choir here. If you're listening to this, you've probably seen the film already. Um, but I just wanted to highlight how important of a film it was. Um, there were images of uh, school kids being taken to see the film for free. And it's just so incredible that like younger people can grow up knowing that there are black superheroes and to them, it's not gonna be a big deal. <laughs> Almost yeah. in the same way that Obama was the black president and for, millions of kids, uh, people of color, people not of color, they've grown up with having a black president and it, that can be their normal almost, right? Um, and Black Panther is that same symbol for, um, for so many children and young people all around the world now. Um, my nephew was taken to see it. He was way too young to see the film <laughs> considering the, the, um, the violence in it, um, but he's like obsessed to the point of being banned from talking about Marvel characters and the fact that he was able to see like my <laughs> as we've mentioned my first um black superhero movie was Meteor Man but he got to see Black Panther and I'm sure his experience was <laughs> as much as I enjoyed mine I'm sure his experience was much greater and will have a much bigger impression on on him going forwards um yeah, the, the fact that it broke records, um, I think at the time it was the second highest grossing 
or third highest grossing Marvel film behind um, Avengers and Age of Ultron. Um, wasn't it wasn't and, it top at one point? I, th- I thought you it, it, it was number one for, for, for a short time uh, in terms of grossing. I do have a list here that I can well, check. And, and, and it broke the big barrier, right? Which is like, it reached a the billion, one, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Oh, was yeah. it was Bill- it a billion, I think. I can't remember. Billion's yeah, the big one, right? It's like, you yeah. want to get to a billion. Yeah, it sold 1.35 um, billion worldwide. And yeah, no, I was right. It was, yeah, second just behind Ultron and the first Avengers movie. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it was black made as well, right? You've got not only a predominantly black cast, we've had films with predominantly black actors all, for a very long time, at least, not always. Um, mm but the fact that this one was able to capture a mainstream audience and sell such a huge amount, it's probably for a lot of uh, people, um, the only film they've seen with a predominantly black cast because normally they may not watch a film from that kind of niche. Um, And then for it to be part of nerd culture as well is huge because as, as we've mentioned, research for this episode even um has been more difficult than we would have liked yeah and Um, and and, and, go on and i was gonna i was gonna say also that um i I did do a bit of um reading i think back back when the movie came out because um the soundtrack was also amazing mm. for the film, um, mm-hmm. which was created and produced, I believe, by by Kendrick Lamar. The entire yep. thing, yeah. um, and, and it's one of those rare soundtrack that actually bought the. <laughs> so people still buy CDs, and I still buy CDs, and I actually bought it mm. um, because it was that amazing. And, uh, and and I think reading the article or the interview of, of um, well, Kendrick Lamar interview, and he was saying that he made sure that. Um, the vast majority of people involved with it, making the soundtrack were either straight from Africa mm-hmm. or um, African Americans, and it's like he he made a point that you know we need to make that happen. It needs to be all the artists on there are black. Everyone's who's participated, or I think the vast majority that participated in the in the making the creation of the album was mm-hmm. black. And I think the, the, you can hear the soundtrack anyway um, throughout the film. It's it's they use bits of. Mm-hmm whatever the you know direction it goes if, if it's a bit of the, the, the movies uh, music that is taken and, and used in the soundtrack I don't know it's, it's probably created at the same time but um, it, it's 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 one of the best soundtracks for any superhero movies actually for films that I've, I've listened to they're literally still listening to this day um, and and Emily actually <laughs> she's the one that was like oh yeah no, can uh, she listens to it as well. Um, actually, talking about uh, uh, Black Panther is Louis's favorite um, Marvel uh, character, so he's like, he's, he's like your nephew, like going on every single day. Like, there's no, <laughs> and now it goes by when he's pretending to be Black Panther, or you know, <laughs> 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 talks about it and is asking me to play it on whatever games we got. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think most importantly, the, going back to the the movie itself, it was it was interesting to witness it and to because we, we do talk about uh, a lot about um representation in in the media um and how you know you how you take it for granted like growing up and like all the the main superheroes or the main characters in the movies are like they all you know mainly mainly white and it's like well you know it's like it's where you grew up with and you mm-hmm. you're thinking okay that's fine but then it's the first time that 
I think we talked about it in, on our way home from going back from playing basketball, you yeah. know, in your car. And it was like, well, actually, yeah. And you're the one that told me, oh, yeah, there's not really like a good or a great um, lead actor or lead character mm. in any superhero movies. It's like in Black Panther, it's, it's, that's what it's doing right now. It's making, mm. um, no, I'm not going to say proud, but it's like I've, I've never seen like, of all the black people I know, suddenly it's like everybody was like one topic, one topic. On it's like, yeah, I've seen I've seen Black Panther like three times in a week, so I'm going again. And it's like, yeah, shit. And that's when I realized, like, yeah, actually, you know, all these things matter. And like the, the because I was never really aware of what un, un, underrepresentation in in mm. that, for, for example, for um, and especially in that type of films, um, yeah. it's 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 something that was huge for the black community. And I think that's a really cool thing to see and to see it financially do super extremely well i think that was yeah. also important not just critically but like financially and that, that you know you, you can't you can't use the argument against of well you know if there's a black lead it's not going to sell it's not going to work for us we can't and you know which goes back to what we're saying about spawn you know now it should be easier to green light this type of project mm -hmm. and it's a cool thing and that's why it's an important film yeah okay you can say it's 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 an obvious one to pick but i think it's such a big one such a big moment in history um, in movie history and in, in, in social, you know, uh, social justice and stuff like that, but in, like in, in history with H, capital H, you know, it's, 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 it's a big moment for Black people. And I think that's really cool that we got to see it. And it's, and it's a normal thing for the yeah. vast majority of people as well to see it and go like, yeah, it's another cool movie. Mm. But hey, I think it's, it's good that we, um, we, we give it a nod or so, you know, because we're important. <laughs> Sorry, JC, you were saying something before I'm rude. Uh, no, no. I, I, actually, fair enough. Now I'm just going to tag on to something you said right now, which mm. is uh, uh, actually connected to what David said as well. Uh, the the movie meant a lot to uh, to in, our, in terms of seeing representation up on the big screen, right? But also to your point, David, earlier, like you saw Meteor Man, you couldn't get a Meteor Man costume to dress up in. You couldn't get the, the, the action figure. And this movie got the whole royal suite, right? It's like mm -hmm. that next Halloween, the, it has to have been the top selling costume, kids dressing up as Black Panther. And for, for a long time growing up, as, as, as anybody who's not white, you end up picking up costumes of white people. You dress yeah. up as someone white. And in this case, it's like you had white kids dressing up as Black Panther. And to me, it's like, all right, call it what you will but there's some degree of progress there at the very least right that it's like yeah. we made it available for everyone and we didn't make it weird yeah. and we didn't make it like it was like pushed on in, in in any way where it felt like like it was a natural it was a well-told story and it landed so everybody loved it and that's the part that for me is the most important thing about black panther is that it's super well written that because it doesn't fall into the traditional black tropes of just like yep if you're in a horror movie you're gonna get killed Yep, it's a story of like a single mom trying to raise her kids. Yep, mm -hmm. it's someone that's down and out and is trying to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Mm -hmm. It's none of that. People were already empowered. People, people already knew more than their counterparts outside of Wakanda. And that to me is like the beauty story. That it, it, it tells a story from a position of, of power, identity, and agency. You're not being manipulated by someone else. And, and, and I really, cause I was kind of worried when they had Martin Freeman in there, when like Watson mm -hmm. shows up, right. Mm -hmm. um, that I was like, Oh, white savior moment. And it wasn't, he was just a supporting cast. 
right? Yeah. He wasn't a white savior. I'm like, cool. Like they avoided all the tropes. And to me, that's what I really love about the movie. With, with the worst American accent in history. <laughs> oh God, yes. Um, <laughs> which is beside the point. Uh, but what, what I like, um, I, I thought was pretty cool because uh, I think the, the white savior syndrome they talk about, mm. about um, uh, was sort of flipped on its head when, I think it's the, the, the post end credit scenes when they go in front of the um, United Nation and it's like, mm. they decide to, we're gonna help you guys. Mm. <laughs> you know, we got technology. You know, mm. no longer, no longer will we be in the shadows. And, you know, being yeah. a, a secretive state. I thought that was pretty cool because it's like they, they took that notion of, you know, looking down on poor African countries and we need to help them. It's like, well, nah. Actually, we got the we got the money. We got the technology. Let let us help you guys out. I, was, I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, which which also there's there's a lot of the little notes like that throughout. I think Infinity War and Games, where we, we yeah. see um, Wakanda being referred to, and um, uh, uh, yeah, they, they've done a, a really good job with the film. I think it's uh, not my favorite film in the universe. I'm not gonna lie, but it's it's up there. It's in my top five. <laughs> it's a lot of there's there's a lot of stuff going around that film. I like it. Um, and then I just wanted to uh, just coming off the. The character, there's uh, the character obviously pops up in other media. Um, Tennessee Coates did a run of uh, of the Black Panther comic book, um, which I've read, which is really, really good, really, really interesting. Um, and he he looks sort of at that balance of what it is to be a king, but also um, be a, a superhero and a person, um, and just trying to spark that, strike that the right balance between those things. Um, and so I would recommend that. And then also um, the final season of the Avengers Assemble cartoon, which is available on Disney Plus. This is not an ad. Um, it's entirely a Black Panther story called Black Panther's Quest. Um, and from beginning to end, Black Panther is the main character. Um, and he he's supported by the Avengers at various points, but he's very much the, the main character and they integrate a bunch of uh, important characters from, uh, from Wakandan lore, uh, present and past as well. Um, and I thought it was really cool that they, obviously, I'm not sure exactly what the timing is, but I think it came after the movie, but they obviously saw that uh, Black Panther was such a popular character, as you guys have said, that he was able to carry a whole season of, of their of their show um I, just, I think i just wrapped it up last week um but it's, it's really really interesting a really probably the best season of the show um and yeah it's told all uh, all from his perspective from t'challa's perspective um so i would i would recommend anyone to check that out as well since it's so readily available always uh yeah, I just picked up the that run actually a couple of days ago, so I'm gonna start reading it. But also while I was there, I noticed that there is now um, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a um, a writer called Nettie Okorafor. Uh, she tends to write in like sci-fi. Uh, she's a Nigerian writer uh, from Lagos. <laughs> <laughs> He had to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I literally looked her up just to drop that one on you. <laughs> Uh, uh, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about go back and check out the previous episode (laughs) (laughs) but um but the cool thing is actually she's writing a shuri run 
um, oh, nice. and that, that she's doing a graphic novel for Shuri. Mm. And uh, so I'm super curious if this is kind of like laying down the framework for we talked about earlier that you're right. There's not a lot of black female leads that that mm. like helm big projects. Mm. And Chadwick's died, rest in peace, right? Rest and peace. but the the question is, they've already said they're not going to recast T'Challa. Mm. That's that's a for sure, which I thought was a really classy move by Marvel. Yeah. Uh, and also, they've now uh, said that Ryan Coogler has a five year deal with Disney, and one yes. of the shows he's creating is a Wakanda show. So mm-hmm. another one, like, all right, this is cool, mm-hmm. but they haven't said Shuri's the new Black Panther. That mm-hmm. that's the part that I'm I'm really keen to check out. So I'm I'm so I'm going to start checking out this run that that Akira Force doing to yeah. see if there's any in, insights there of like Shuri because in the comics she does become yeah. uh, Black Panther at some point in the past. Yeah. And I've, I've heard a bunch of times, but I'm curious how they're framing it now off the back of Chadwick dying. Yeah, yeah, and that and that would be great. That would be great for um for Letitia Wright if she gets to do that in the second movie. Uh, however they handle it. Um, and then, yeah. and it would it would make sense because if you notice the um, uh, black women character, well, the women character in, in in Black Panther, they're all very strong, independent, like they're yeah. all very like super, um, like they really need to go. Like any one of them could could literally just pick up the mantle and just go bang. I'm the yeah. new. Well, I'll be the queen, right? That's one. Of, I mean, that's one of the great things about the way that they've set up Wakanda in general, right? Mm-hmm. His army is women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an all women army all female army um and then shuri is the the greatest mind in wakanda she has the she creates a lot of the technology she is the best uh, arguably the best engineer in marvel comics right oh uh, yeah um, which take me back to that scene in, in infinity <laughs> war when they when they um trying to detach the stone from vision's head mm. and you've got um bruce was trying to explain what they did and she's like oh, i'm sure you tried your best yeah this is the bruce yes. banner um <laughs> yeah and throughout that um cartoon run as well like she has her brushes with um tony stark mm-hmm. um and i guess the only other people that would be in that argument are um the fantastic four right reed richards yeah. and maybe doom himself but um, yeah, she's definitely up there in terms of intelligence, in terms of her engineering skills. And it's it's great to say, you know, all of these people are black, but outside of Black Panther himself, these are all black women. Yeah. 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 Which is a cool, it's a cool, it's um, amazing. It's a cool thing. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, she, I think she should be the next one. She, she, she's got to be, she, she's awesome. got enough charisma to be it, to be that, yeah. that yeah. character. Favorite moment to look forward to MCU: Shuri walking onto screen, meeting Riri, and them both like staring each other down to see who's smartest. That would be <laughs> awesome, dude! So good. <laughs> Make it happen, Marvel. Make yeah, happen. honestly, Marvel. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all there, people. All, all right. right. I guess you, it's Tom. my turn, right? <laughs> yes. Um, introduce yourself, Tom. Introducing myself. <laughs> Hi again. Right, so um, I, I kind of wanted to um, take it back to real life characters, if you will, because um, right now we talk about um, comic books and movies. Um, and I want to take it back to that Netflix documentary, which I'm sure you've seen, you've watched JC on repeat, uh, high score. <laughs> Your face is It's nice. really good. Yeah. <laughs> um so it's if you don't know what high score is it's it's um i think it's a six parts um series on netflix 
maybe 10, I can't remember, it doesn't matter. Retracing, um, no, it's, it's, it's super short, I think it's six, but anyway, it's um, retracing key moments in the video game industry and history. Uh, it's really well done, it's really well put together. And um, I think in episode one or two, I believe it's episode two, uh, there's reference to this guy who I've, to be 100% honest, never heard about. Um, and the guy is called Jerry Lawson, um, uh, who was a, an engineer back in the 70s. Um, so this guy is, is quite important. And uh, you're asking, and I can see on your face, JC, who, who's Jerry? Who are you, Jerry? Who is Jerry, Tom? I'm glad you asked. Uh, okay. So um, <laughs> who is Jerry? Jerry is a self-taught engineer. And, um, and what he's done, he's um, created what many people consider to be the first video game cartridge. Um, if you remember back in the days, um, you had a computer, a, a PC, or a video game unit in your house if you were rich. And uh, games were pretty much built into the, the console, um, which means that you had to either uh, get yourself a, an, an engineer degree, degree and open up those bad boys and swap cartridges or swap motherboards to get a new game in there, uh, which was highly, highly dodgy to do. Um, so what, um, what it's done is, um, is make sure that people wouldn't die trying to switch games. Um, but let's go back a little bit um, into the story of Jerry Lawson. So he was um, obviously, like his story wants, he was a, a, a black engineer uh, who worked in the 70s for a company, well, a f- now gone company uh, named Fairchild uh, back in San Francisco. So yeah, it's about as far away, in, d- deep in your ends, JC. It's uh, all around you. Um, okay. And he, so it ran in mid 70s, he was made um, chief engineer chief hardware engineer uh, in the video game division of Fairchild. And he participated in the development of a console called the Channel F, which was a resounding F. It didn't sell as that much or hardly. Uh, but again, it's back in the 70s. So the video game consoles and video game, uh, personal video games were not really a thing. Just back, you know, back in the days you would play go down in the arcades and uh, and find your the good stuff there um so they, they've noticed that you know obviously it's what i was explaining before that you can really swap games or you can really easily uh, add games to your collections which would in turn impede in sales of consoles with personal computers that would play video games back in the days and they were like okay how do we get um you know our our, our customers to enjoy a, a bigger library of games. And uh, that's where Jerry Lawson came in and he went, hmm, how about we take those games? Those games were on boards, you know, like big ass boards. If you look at arcade machines, that's how they are inside the, 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 the actual cabinet. It's an actual, like a big motherboard that you would take in or out to swap the games. And he, um, he being again, chief hardware engineer, he went on and, um, you know, spent a couple of years going back and forth with his team and went, okay, let's see how we can do this and how can we make sure that guys can buy a bunch of games and how do we do this? And they came up with the cartridge. Um, again, that was a revolution because then that was later on adopted by pretty much everyone, but mainly Nintendo, which is, I think, somehow still sticking to it these days. Um, so th- this guy's got a, a fascinating story and I think it's told in, 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 in on a Netflix documentary by his kids, Karen and um, Anderson, 
Uh, he's got a, a daughter and a, and a son. Um, uh, sadly, uh, Jerry died, I think, back in 2011. So he's not around to tell his story anymore. Um, and it's, it's actually a podcast, um, episode podcast from the guys at Common, uh, Common, Line, Common Line Heroes. I cannot say those words. Um, and they actually got hold of their ki- his kids uh, to to do the talking. And it's I've literally listened to it. It's, it's quite interesting. They go really, really in-depth with um, Jerry's life and how he fitted in with pretty much being the only black dude on the team um, mm. and how that went it went on for him to be elect not elected but you know um push forward in front of the team in front of everybody else and be, being the guy the leader on that project mm-hmm. um so again really interesting interesting story go go and check it out jerry lawson important game important name in the game um because we wouldn't be anywhere i think or maybe we would have jumped straight to cds who knows uh, without a guy or they wouldn't be a massive video game industry he's he's considered to be the dad of of um modern video games in in many respects um and then there's a fun fact um (laughs) about jerry that i thought uh, uh, was quite interesting is that um, when he was still working at fairchild um he was member of the homebrew computer computer club uh, which is quite famous in the extra nerdy uh, mm. circles, and he was the only, again, the only black guy with another another chap named Ron Johns. So they were the, the two black guys there, and uh, all the members, <laughs> interestingly enough, was Steve Jobs and uh, Steve Steve Wozniak. I can't even say his name. Um, and then, whoa, <laughs> that's what. No, I'm not saying they, they were four of them, but they're among the many members <laughs> Steve Jobs was in there uh, and then Lawson also said that he interviewed Bosniak for um, a job at Fairchild with him and he turned him down saying like no you're not good enough so go do something else you know go create Apple with, with Stevie wow Ooh, dude power <laughs> move turn him down Wozniak <laughs> yeah I would love to know if he um, if he patented the cartridge in some way did he manage to benefit financially think, from no i, from I don't think invention. he made he made I, I think i don't know if that's ever mentioned in the in the in the documentary or if it's um that's something i have to look at but it's not mentioned in the in the podcast for sure mm. i have to rewatch the episode on, on on high school but um i don't think it's ever mentioned to be honest but he's not no he's not made a ton of money because of it i think because, he, he's, because he, did, he was working he did for work. a company yeah. It's unlikely. Uh, the it's the IP unlikely. would have been kept by the company. That that's the problem with all these situations. Yeah. And I, I don't think I don't think it did any anything anywhere because the company itself is gone. You know, Fairchild doesn't exist right. anymore. Um, and they would definitely exist if they had patented the exactly. cartridge as yeah. a cartridge. Um and, and that's the, the sad part of the story, right? Because you yep. can be the guy I mean the, the internet was invented by a black guy as well. The mm-hmm. there's you can Wait, it wasn't invented by Al Gore? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the vaccine for COVID-19. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, you can be the guy or the head of a team that does something like this, but if you don't take care of your P's and Q's, if you don't have the right, uh, the right um, knowledge of IP, the right knowledge of uh, the right knowledge to take ownership of your creations you're just a great inventor and you could be so much more like essentially he is the godfather of video games as we know them for home consoles at least um and handheld consoles but he will never get the like his kids you mentioned he has kids 
they should be wealthy yep. off the back of his invention. Um, and if you don't, yeah, if you don't put your name on these things and if you don't rubber stamp them in some way, your name, not only your name <laughs> will get lost, but yeah, the, all of that financial gain that, um, that the community, the black community the, and your family directly could have gained will sort of be lost to yeah, time. It's, 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 it's also interesting in a way that um, you d- I do know the history of video games and you do see it told by, I think the Japanese, they, they, they're really mm. good at, at telling the stories in terms of where they came from and how they, mm. they got into the culture of video games. But like, I was like, when I was watching the, the episode, I was like, how come I never heard of that guy? Mm. But yeah, off the back of that, Tom, um, one of the things that there's an interesting connection between all our stories right now, uh, or it's like the the there's a there's a movie called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom that's on Netflix right now, and it's definitely not a nerd culture movie. But the interesting thing about it is like what we just talked about. We brought up David. It's just like there's so many creators that don't get their dues for what they did, and in particular in the black community, right? And, and the thing about it is that what Ma Rainey shows is exactly that. And interestingly, it happens to Chadwick Boseman in the movie where he's constantly going like, I'm going to get a big record deal. I'm going to get a big record deal. I've been writing all the songs. This guy, and of course this white guy, will give me a record deal. And then at the end he goes like, look, I'm not going to give you a record deal, but I'll pay you $5 for that song, which in the 50s was a was a, a yeah. moderate amount of money but it's it, it, it the song then the, the basically spoilers for for the movie but the movie kind of ends up a note where the the white guy then puts together an entire band to play his song cut it on vinyl mm-hmm. and then make money off of it right so mm-hmm. so the original creator will never see more than his five dollars and mm-hmm. clearly the song's going to make way more than five dollars so i think mm-hmm. it's just it's it, it really brings that to life in a very tactical in, in a very uh, palpable way mm-hmm. you can see it very clearly like, get screwed and about at the same time it's like he wants to create so much he's so mm-hmm. gifted and talented and he's just never given the opportunity right and 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 the contradiction between him and then the other person in the movie uh ma rainey Various. I highly recommend watching the movie, but yes, I think it perfectly ties into that theme and still has Chadwick in it, right? That, that was Indeed. his last his last starring role, so definitely go check him out. Thanks everyone for listening to part one of a special episode on Black History Month. We'll be back very soon with part two and some more recommendations from JC, Dave, and myself. In the meantime, we would just love it if you could just join us on social media and uh, subscribe to all of our channels. We are on YouTube, we are on Spotify, we are on Apple Podcasts, and we are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere you can find us. We'll be there. Again, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys in the next one.